0: Welcome to episode 264 of the Jazznet podcast. I'm John McCallum. I'm your host tonight. Uh, It's Friday night. Um, If you're watching live, uh, this is much better than the Queen's Park Dundee game, but it's a boring nothing each draw. Um, After about 70 minutes, you're you're much better off staying with us tonight. Uh, Jazznet, of course, is the independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans, uh, where the content is free. Um, It's not just a podcast we have here. We have a forum which has articles, social media and a history archive and there's been quite a bit of work put into that uh, in the last last couple of weeks, uh, quite a lot of work has been put into that. Uh, if you have a moment, uh, you're not doing anything tomorrow afternoon because the game's on Sunday, why don't you go and have a look uh, see some of the, the, the hard work the guys have been put in there. And the history archive alone is something worth looking at. Uh, if you're watching this podcast for the first time, we would encourage you to subscribe. Um, share on social media, uh, we've not got much longer of this season to go, um, and uh, as we said, this is 264, um, the guys give up their time for this, uh, and as I said, it's all free, so give it a go. Um, I'm, uh, I'm joined tonight by Craig, I'm joined by Craig Ray Craig, Craig, I was thinking, 12 months ago this very day, right, the 5th of May 2022, we were beating Bundesliga high flyers RB Leipzig. Um, to qualify for a Europa League final. Van Bronckhorst was our manager. Um, He could do no wrong at that point. John Lundström was the best player in the world. Quite literally, he was the best midfield player in the world. Um, I mean, I imagine for the 5th of May, for a lot of Rangers supporters, certainly maybe maybe one's a little bit younger than me, certainly, but a lot of Rangers supporters, quite possibly their most enjoyable Rangers game of of all time. Um, 12 months later, you're gonna spend your Friday night talking to me. Right? And I don't know if you take drugs, but I don't know what kind of lifestyle you lead, Craig, but, but this must be the biggest come down in twelve months that there's ever been, eh? Twelve months from the best night ever to, to, to sitting here with me on a Friday night, um, as we try and think about things to say after two defeats in a row. It, it,
1: it's 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 some night you've picked to come on with me, pal. Aye, well, we've all had comedowns but uh, this is definitely one of the worst for, for a year ago uh, tonight. Actually <clears throat> the time now, it's three minutes past nine you know, when we're live we probably will actually reach the moment exactly a year ago when Lundstrom scored that goal but um, do you know what it's not been a great season but we should at least be positive for a couple of minutes here. I mean incredible There's, it's one of those games where you can't really put it into words. I mean for you know, it was absolute bedlam for me. Everything just seemed to, you know, stop. Time stood still that night. Um, and obviously, I know that the big moment of the game was Lundstrom scoring, but for me, like, the one moment was when Glenn Kamara scored that second goal. Um, and just as soon as uh, Scott Wright laid him off and the ball caressed his but like, time just stood still and it just slowly crept into that bottom corner and it felt like it took 10 years to go in because like <laughs> everything was silent everything just stopped, slowed down and then just the noise I've never heard any noise like that before in my life there's there's three noises that I'll talk about as a Rangers fan the first one was um, getting out of the car in Manchester in 2008 being met with a sea of red, white and blue the second one was when we, we won the league a couple of years ago and then um, going to George Square, getting off the train at Queen Street station and just the echoes as you walk through the station about to go out into George Square just getting louder and louder and louder and louder. But that noise exactly a year ago tonight was the loudest thing that I've ever heard in my life. And I think it will be very, very difficult to top. Just, in, just incredible. And I, uh, as you say, it's been, it's been a massive come down. Um, the last 12 months and, um, we're going to get into a, a lot of that tonight.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, we are. Unfortunately, we are. Now, before we reach massive comes downs, let me talk about Forest Precision Engineering. Um, it, we are very grateful for the support that Forest Precision Engineering have given to JazzNet this season. Uh, it would be much harder to do without them. Uh, they are a subcontract Glasgow based engineering company and they've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers over the years as well. And we are very, very pleased they are backing our podcast. Now, you can find out more about Forest Precision Engineering by visiting their website, which is www.forestprecisioneng.com. Now, if you don't need precision engineering in your life, if you have enough precision engineering, um, then you might also be interested in their executive lounge, it's a stunning hospitality area in the main stand and it's available for you to book uh, and, and use now to get in touch with that you email the club hospitality at rangers.co.uk that's hospitality at rangers.co.uk uh, to make the most of that okay um let's have a look at uh what's gone bef- be behind us right so i've drawn a veil over, over sunday uh, the boys dealt with that the other night uh, I've drawn a veil over that. I've put that out of my mind uh, and, and let's start from the rest of the week. So we're going to start with the boardroom. Um, we've lost our, our chairman, Douglas Park. Uh, we've lost our chief executive, Stuart Robertson, our director of football, Ross Wilson, and our academy director in Craig Mulholland. And add to that, long, it was announced a long-time director, Andrew Dixon, uh, is also standing down. That that's a an awful lot of change in, in a very short space of time. And that's that's ignoring the fact that we replaced our entire first team management uh, grouping uh, before Christmas. That's ignoring that, right? So we're just looking at the, the executive level just now. Um as well as that, we're looking for a new commercial and marketing director because James Bisgrove has, has, has stood up um or stepped up rather into the CEO role. So his his position needs to be replaced um we're going through a very turbulent period just now and uh, you know personally after the the years of craig white and charles green and, and and mike ashley and everything that they brought along i think when our focus was so much off the field at that time and i think as a ranger supporter certainly i did and i think most of us did. i just craved stability i just craved a period where all we worried about was on the field and i felt that when douglas park and the three bears and and john bennett and when these guys came into the club and, and took control of the club um, that we had that and and i suddenly find myself with this period of of great turbulence and um, possibly unexpected turbulence you know maybe people whose ears are closer to the ground than mine on these things, perhaps it's not unexpected, but but to someone like myself, someone on the outside with, with no particular insight into what's going on in the boardroom, um, it is quite turbulent. And um, how have you viewed events over the last few weeks and, and again this week um, off the field at Rangers? Because these are, I mean, for, for most supporters, we don't give a lot of thought to what goes on in the boardroom. We're more interested in, in you know, who our centre forward is than, than who our chief executive is, let's be honest. For most supporters, I think that's the case. However, um, it is important and it is something that affects every one of us. Um, how have you been viewing this, Craig? I mean, what's your initial
1: thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a very interesting time off the pitch the last few weeks. Um, I read it, obviously, before coming on and you mentioned it there about you know, going through all those people and talking about the stability that you've craved in a certain way though I would say that we probably still are seeing it because if you look at the two most prominent or most important executive roles and the chairman and you know the CEO now and they've both been replaced by people who have been there before they've they've sort of just stepped up to a new level so I think that does provide a bit of, of stability in terms of that. Um, yeah, definitely even, continuancy there. Yeah, that's not that's not a bad point. Even even, you know, with the whole director of football thing, Michael Beale, who's obviously returned to the club, been there for a good few years, he's effectively going to step up and become a de facto director of football, certainly for the next, you know, for this window anyway. I, I think personally what will happen is we probably will get a new director of football and probably towards the end of the year, maybe we have you to to January. But I just think right now, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, there's probably no point in bringing one in when Michael Beale's already done you know, so much planning. And it could actually get to a point where if we go out and we have a great summer um, transfer window the club might just say, well, you're doing really well, Michael, anyway, without a director of football, what's the point in bringing one in? Um, that, that could happen as well but I do think eventually we will have one. It is a a very interesting time for the club. Um, and obviously the usual, um, we've got our, um, our chartered accountants and our um, professional lawyers in the east end of the city who, who will let us know that we're going bust because a few people um, have left the boardroom. Obviously that's not happening. Um, it's a time for change at Rangers, not just on the pitch but off it. Um, I've kind of been talking about eras and stages um, when I've been on in the past and I've spoken about players being part of a, a journey for the club that was to get us back to the top, you know, at, at least at one point and then continuing to challenge time and time again, you know, we've got to that point now. Well, you know, we have been back on top and we've got the facilities to be able to do it. Now it's a case of going out and doing it year in, year out um, and not having any excuses, um, you know, as to why we're not winning trophies. Like this season, th- there is no excuses in my opinion for for us not to win trophies. I mean, I know we have been dealing with a fallout of what happened in twenty twenty That's quite a few twelves. Um we have been dealing with a fallout <laughs> for that for a while. Um but for me, in terms of the on field um you know, squads, maybe comparing us in Celtic, I think if you look at the summer of twenty twenty, the recruitment signing guys like Ruth Hadge, for me that was the first time that both squads were probably on a level playing field. Um and essentially, you can't make excuses for for no winning stuff after that. I think, actually, if you look at individual players, if you compare them with the two sides, if they're not injured and stuff like that, I don't think there's very much within the two squads at all. I think, you know, they're both talented squads. Um, for me, the problem with the Rangers players is up here. It's mentally. Um, and obviously, it doesn't help when <laughs> most of your players have been injured for, for the season. But it, it's an interesting time. I mean, you know maybe do you, do you think
0: sorry to cut across you real quick. do you do you think that there's this is there's an element of of and i use this word i mean this is a compliment there's an element of ruthlessness just now at rangers um i i recently read um the, there's, a, there's a book recently out there a revolution uh, rangers is 86 to 92 i think it's called um, I hope I've got that that correct. If you are interested, Frankie's Net website there is a review of the book written by uh, halfwit, not the book the review um which you can <laughs> you can have a look at there. Um, the book's written by Martin Ramsey and it's an excellent book and I would recommend it to you um but it it's it covers the period um basically covers the period where Sunnis and Smith came in and their their first kind of four seasons and up till soon leaving. And the reason I bring it up is there's a really interesting anecdote in the book. Um, Lawrence Marlborough, who was um, uh, part of the the Lawrence family, who for a long time had controlled Rangers, he staged a coup and and took control of the club. And one of the first things he did was he brought in a chap called David Holmes, who in the, the history of Rangers, and particularly the modern history of Rangers, is a figure that doesn't get anything like enough credit. And the anecdote he tells in the book is that there was a, there's quite a famous Rangers Celtic game at Ibrox that season, the, the, the 85, 86 season, a four-each draw. Um, uh, most of the people there thought it was one of the best games people would ever seen, you know, a four-each draw between Rangers and Celtic, everybody left fairly happy um, in one of these games. And, and the anecdote he tells is that David Holmes was in the director's box and Jock Wallace, who was a manager at the time, came in with a beer in his hand, singing the sash. Um, and, and basically looking for a party. And David Holmes decided at that point, that was the moment where he decided, you're leaving and I'm bringing somebody else in. Because we just failed to beat Celtic, who were down to 10 men, in our own, in our own stadium. And that's not good enough for Rangers. And, and the feeling was that around the club, we had accepted being second best. And I wonder if that's what's going on just now. I hope that's what's going on just now that um, perhaps there are now, I'm not suggesting the people who have left, accepted being second best, but perhaps there's a list of listeners going on there just now and and um, we're trying to remind some people that we, we won't accept being second best. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, it certainly is a, a, a turbulent time off the field um, and it will be interesting to see what, what happens over the next. I'm not sure I entirely agree with you about the football thing. I don't know if it's wise that Michael Beal performs that role, but
1: like you say, it is what it is just now, I and think, I don't think there's too much choice. Um, See, uh, on I, I, that, John, think, sorry about the, the ruthlessness. I think that's actually a really interesting point because, you know, for me, it doesn't come as a surprise that all of this change has happened as soon as we've had a new chairman in. Um, that, that cannot be a coincidence. Now, I don't have any insider information about what's happening in the boardroom. And to be honest, nobody does. I know people get WhatsApp messages off their granny's goldfish saying that they've, you know, they've spotted Donald Trump now louder and stuff like that and he's taken over. But um, nobody knows what's going on apart from the people in there, right? Um, and the rest is all, is all hearsay. But yeah. to me, that cannot be a coincidence. And in terms of the ruthlessness system the accepting second best, it's, it's a weird, right, I'm I'm twenty 25, so I'm kind of in a weird period where I was lucky enough to have seen Rangers have success when I was a, a boy, you know, under McLeish and Smith and stuff like that, and I've also seen his go down, and now I've seen his go back and stuff like that. I'm kind of in between a sort of generation where you've got people that are younger than me who have only seen one successful Rangers team ever, and then you've got people older than me who have seen multiple Rangers teams successful teams and gone through that and for the younger people I think obviously they want success right? I'm not saying that they don't but it, it, it can sometimes be conditioned you can be conditioned into thinking that you are second best if you if that's yeah. all you've experienced and you know, maybe we are a lot of folk that are a bit older than me, I think a lot of them will probably look to the past as well and say well alright we're not doing well now but Look at, look at what we've done in the past, this, that, and the next thing. Um, so I'm kind of in, in between it, which is quite weird, but I think that's actually, if you look at a couple of things, right, well, one thing, the Champions League, right? Why why is there a debate happening right now between what competition you would rather be in next season, the Europa League and the Champions League? Because I don't I don't understand it, right? For me, Rangers, we're Rangers, we should be in the Champions League every season. And for me, the fact that people are you know, no wanting to qualify for the Champions League because they're scared of getting hammerings. For me that's not that's not what Rangers are about. We should be going in to the Champions League. but obviously not going to win it, right? But going in, giving it everything we've got and, and trying to do something decent. Um and I just think that the amount of people out there that don't want to qualify for the Champions League, I think that kind of Lacking ambition, maybe that might sound a bit harsh I know because I know people are saying it with the view that we can go in an extended run in the Europa League, but we've done that. You know, with the greatest of respect, I don't want to be in the Europa League next season playing, you know, your braggers and blah, blah, blah again. I want to be in the Champions League playing Man City, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, because we've not done that in years. Um, So, I I think there is maybe an element of, of people accepting second best and John Bennett anyway, you know, the guy is a massive Rangers fan since since he was young. Um, you know, he knows what it means to be to be a Rangers fan and what Rangers are all about and bringing that success to the club. So I think going forward, you know, with him at the helm, I think we're definitely in good hands. And in James Bisgrove as well, I did tweet about it a few weeks ago. I mean, he's probably, if you look at it, the most ambitious person. And, and the boardroom and, t- and maybe forward thinking, if that kind of makes sense in terms of modernising things and you know, um, taking Rangers off the field to a new stratosphere. Which let's face it, um, whether you agree with all the you know the modern football stuff that it has brought in, it's brought in money. He's effectively wiped out the um, the commercial revenue, that, the um gap that there was between us and Celtic in the space of like two or three years, which is pretty incredible. Um, Considering well, were so um, I think we're in the right hands. It's a very, it's a very interesting time to be a Rangers fan now, and you know, hopefully, going forward in next season, anyway, it can it can lead to success?
0: Indeed, indeed. Look, uh, let's move us on. A um, couple of things I want to touch upon before I talk about the Aberdeen game. Um, Rangers woman. So the ladies did what the men and the boys were not able to do in the last week and beat Celtic last night. Um, I, I, I mean it's a kind of more general question did did you, did you watch the game um, Craig uh, you know has I, I I can't help but notice um, if you ever visit the BBC website or even listen to Radio 5 women's football in England now debts a higher billing than the Scottish SPFL sure. it, it, on national you know on, on the national broadcaster it absolutely does Um, it, it's you know they'll They'll put their games on live, you know, radio commentary. Um, it's, it's higher that their, their stories are higher up on the BBC website than, than ours. And that, I don't know if that, if that's a fashion thing. I don't know if that is a reaction to the fact that some of these games now are drawing fairly big crowds in England. Um, if it's just the money that's down, available down there, I really don't know what's causing that. Um, but has it captured your imagination yet? Um, you know, Rangers women now have, they won the league last season. they they're, they're I, no, I think they're going to win the league this year, but they're, they're still in contention. Um, you know, they're clearly one of the best teams in Scotland, as you would hope. Uh, has it captured your imagination yet, women's football?
1: Uh, no, I wouldn't go as far as saying that, John. Um, at, to, to be fair, I did actually watch it last night, and it was actually good to, to experience an old firm one for the first time in a wee while. Um, it was some goal as well um, by Howard. It was a great finish. Um, Rangers played really well. Um, Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a massive, um, supporter and stuff like that women's football and watch it all the time because I don't. I would be lying to the viewers if I said I did. Um, but the club have clearly invested a lot of money in it. Um, and, um, you know, obviously were in the league last year. I think that if you look at sort of the Scottish league, you've kind of got Rangers, Celtic, Glasgow City and then everyone else. Um, because the, the quality isn't that great. It seems up in Scotland anyway. Down south for England, it's you know, and, and fairness to them, they've done an incredible job of marketing it down there. Um, even in Europe, you know, I'm not sure it was a. I think it was a Champions League game between Barcelona and someone else. who sold out the new Camp. You know, hundred thousand people going to see a, a game of women's football. You wouldn't have thought that was possible years ago. So, yeah, you wouldn't have thought that was possible twelve months ago. I don't think. Aye, um, exa- exactly. It's uh, yeah. it was crazy. Um, but no, I mean, I think the funniest part of I uh, watched it last night was just. Uh, the perpetual victimhood coming from the Celtic ladies that they've obviously taken tips off, uh, before. <laughs> <or laughs> moaning about, moaning about refereeing decisions, um, you know. We uh, no, were on brand. Uh, yeah. Well, exactly, yeah. you know, fr- Fran mm-hmm. Alonso sitting, moaning about things, um, he's been at Celtic for four years and won one trophy, so was it the Celtic fans call it a serial loser, is it? Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see if that transcends. If that those views transcend to the women's team as well. Um, but now nah, it, it, it was good, kind of. T- to get one over on them and, and just watching them moaning complaining about everything. I mean, it was a foul. It was um, nice to see a victory. No, it was, ah, it was a, foul, a foul. I mean, just <laughs> moaning about nothing. Um but I fair play to the ladies. and oh, um, Catherine Hill as well, I know came on um Jersey net a few times. She was solid, I thought last night as well. She had a really great game. And do you know what? Fair play to the ladies for going out there and, and getting one on over over them. Absolutely.
0: Yep. Um Staying with football through the week um, The youth cup final um, I don't know if you got a chance to watch that mm. uh, it, Nobody Nobody enjoys watching Rangers At any level lose a cup final They particularly don't enjoy watching Rangers lose a cup final To Celtic But it was an extraordinary match uh, it, You know it was really was It was a ridiculous game of football at times um, You know the, it probably tells you something about the standard of player and the, and the type of play when you get a 6-5 um, as the final result. But it was certainly entertaining if you can if you could ignore the, the, the final result. Um, youth football at that level, it's not about winning. It's about developing players. I know that seems a strange thing to say, and I, I know there's people who probably don't agree with me, but actually it's about developing players. It's about seeing if there are two or three players in that team that can, because they're not all going to make it at Rangers. So there's two or three players in that team that can be nurtured, that can be developed, that, that can go on and have a career at Rangers. And, and that's what youth football is about. Most of those players won't. Most of those players will be playing in, you know, League One and the um, Championship and what have you in a few years' time, and that's the reality of it. And that's absolutely fine. That, that, that you can have a good career at that level. Yeah. Um, but what you're hoping for is that a couple of them are good enough to make it at Rangers. Did anyone catch your eye? Any particular player stand out for you? Anyone you thought, oh, there's someone for the future?
1: Bailey Rice. I thought he was terrific. Um you know he came on against Lovey at Armonville, um a couple of months ago Um that was an interesting game to be at where it was actually captured on the teleclap and then the corner after Roof scored Um if you want to go and watch it back guys well, what was <laughs> is,
0: is, is it, what's the most remarkable part of that story that that young lad had his debut that you were caught on tv or that Kemar Roof played a game for Rangers uh, in the season and scored so
1: Aye, and that's a good know. point, actually. Three 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 miracles in a day. Um <laughs> I thought I thought Rice was terrific. I thought some of his some of his passing was great, he's solid, um, you know, and I think he's definitely one for the future. Zach Lovelace, now this might cause a wee bit of a wee bit of controversy. I went to the semi-final um, where they played Hamilton and won 3-0 um, at Ibrox um a couple of months ago. And I said at the time, Zach Lovelace for me, I've you know, I've not I've not seen much of him. I don't watch much of the, the sort of B team stuff because well, it's not really um accessible to be honest, something that Rangers should probably look at in terms of maybe selling a season pass or something on Rangers T V or whatever. But I just felt with Lovelace in that game that he tried too hard. Um I know the under eighteens is probably a level down from what he's been used to with the B team. Um but he was obviously, he is obviously the standout player in terms of he is better than every single player on the part probably. Um, and I just felt that he was maybe trying too hard to do fancy things and just not focusing on the simple stuff. And I thought it was kind of the same the other day as well. He had a decent chance um, where the ball was played across to him. I think he actually um, had to offer Rangers player, but he probably should have scored that. And then obviously, well, the two, the two bookings, you know, it's, any, it's, any grumbles about the bookings? I think the second one aye, I think the second one's a clear cut penalty See to be honest I don't even think the first one's a booking either I think the first one It's not a penalty but it's not a booking If that if that makes sense Because he doesn't dive um, yeah. But the second one, no chance it's, it's a penalty, it's a booking for the Celtic player um, The referee didn't have a great game Ricky Foster didn't have a great day on comms as well um, I'm not just talking about his dreadful insight Into the game of professional football, but the fact that the guy's there and he doesn't you know he was getting the names of players mixed up and stuff like that. You kind of have that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've done, whole market, you so know, hard. I've done commentary and stuff like that at, at uni for like St. Mirren TV. You no, know, I'm not a St. Mirren connoisseur by any stretch of the imagination, but one thing you do, even as a student, is you go and you research your, your subject matter and your topic and stuff like that. So if I'm doing that as a student, he's, he's been paid to do that as a professional. There's no excuses for it. And he was about. You know two words away from calling a safe code other day. i've never i've never seen a more sort of bitter former former rangers player and that guy oh i tweeted about it last night i mean he cost his big time against valencia and i will never ever forgive him for it, it
0: took a turn i wasn't expecting craig but you
1: know what i, I can't disagree with what you said there i know i'm moaning about, about ricky <laughs> foster <laughs> you know, 13 years after it happened, but I'm never ever going to forgive him for that. Sorry, Richard.
0: That's okay. I, um, I had a moan about Gary Stevens, um, a couple of pods ago, I was on in um, the cup final of 1989. And um, uh, yeah, a few folk I think, but um, weren't too impressed that I was still carrying that particular um, that particular wound around with me and, and um, suggested I maybe get on with it. Um, Talking about getting on with it, um, time is, is marching on. Um, We've got a game this weekend uh, against Aberdeen at home. Um, You know, normally a game against Aberdeen at home uh, at this stage of the season would be quite exciting. Um, But in a strange way, Michael Beale's been handed something that that very few Rangers managers get, and that's five matches with not much at stake. You know, we're not happy about the the circumstances that that's happened in, but but it is what it is. that said, we've lost two matches in a row, three out of our last four, which isn't, it's not a great record for Rangers. Um, losing again to Aberdeen at home, that's not going to go down well with the support. You know, that's, that's, you know, he, he could play a team of boys on Sunday, but if we lose that match, the you know, support will let him know. Um, uh, how does bill approach this game? What's, what, what's his take
1: on Sunday? I mean, look, I, I will always maintain regardless of whether the games are meaningless or not, that at Rangers you play your best team every game. I do think it's kind of clear that Michael Beale isn't going to do that given, you know, the press conference that he had earlier today where you know Barisic is out, um, will Kenton Morelos play, we don't know. Um, Tillmans obviously went back to Bayern, which I think, you know, is that with a view to him not coming back. I'm actually, looking at that now, I'm, I was thinking maybe a month ago where I should sign him. Now after that today, I'm just like, I don't think we are. Which I think is a shame. I, I still think we should sign him, but you know, I'm not the manager. It's expensive. I don't, I don't. He is expensive, yeah, but, ex- but, but 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 you know what? For me, I, I know the whole grumbles that he's not done it against Celtic and stuff like that, which is fair. You know, I, you know, I don't I don't disagree with that. But the point that I will always make is Chris Boyd. Um, Chris Boyd didn't do it against Celtic, but he still needed Chris Boyd's goals to go and win a league. Malik Telmer in games against, you know, poorer opposition at Ibrox, even away from home, has managed to find holes there that, that no other player would. And his his goals and his goals and assist ratio is pretty good. It's one of the highest in the league. And he's only 20 as well, so he's got time to, to develop. Um, so I understand the grumble that he's not done it against Celtic. But he has done it in big matches. I mean, scored the winner against USG, which got his five million quid. There's your transfer fee paid for you. You know, he does he he closes down the PSV defender, he played into Cholak to, to yeah, qualify for yeah, the go Champions League. So <laughs> I, I get I get the whole no doing it against Celtic, but you still need players like that to do a job in a big squad.
0: I think I think the problem with Tillman, as you touched upon there, is is his age. Mm. He is young. And yeah you, you have to assume that's his first, this is his first real season of f- playing first team football. Players will make mistakes, young players will make mistakes, young players will drift in and out of games, and Tillman does that. He does drift in and out of games, but, but he has so much ability. He's a, you know, he's a big, strong lad. And you can't help but feel that he's just going to get better. And you also wonder, playing alongside better players will help him too. You know, I can't help but feel if Tillman had a fast forward, Tillman had a guy that um, you know was just a, a you know one of these guys who you know covers ten yards quicker than the defender. You know, D- D- Tillman would would be able to find that kind of player quite easily because you, there's times you see him and he has the ball and he is looking for somebody, um, and we don't have that kind of we don't have that kind of player just now. We certainly don't have that kind of forward. So I I would agree with everything you would say. I think the thing that's going against Tillman just now is. The, the the fee the fee is probably going to be close to half of our transfer budget, and that's a lot to spend on one player, and I guess they just have to weigh all that up. I don't know how bad his injury is. Hopefully, it's not it's not a bad injury. Um, Beal spoke about Tillman today. He, I felt he was he was talking Tillman up, saying about his own personal relationship with Tillman and how good it was, and that they had spoken. But he said an interesting thing. He said, you know, of course, it's not the clubs are speaking. And I've been speaking to Malik, but you'll have to remember that Malik has to want to do this too. Mm-hmm. He has to want to come. And I thought that might, there may be something there he's telling us. He might be dropping as a hint there that perhaps Tillman doesn't fancy another season in Scotland. That, that maybe Tillman thinks, yeah. you know what, well, maybe I, I, I would rather play in the Bundesliga. Or Although, although Tillman is American, he's really German. He's an American international, but he's, by dint of, of I think it's his father, you know, he was born and raised in Germany. Um, and, uh, you know, it's for all intents and purposes, he is a German. And I think he would probably be more comfortable there. I imagine he's got family and friends there. And I, I don't think it'd be a huge surprise if he chose to join Cologne or, or um, Frankfurt or Stuttgart or something. I, you know, I, I don't think that would come as a huge surprise. He's not going to get into the Bayern Munich team. But I wouldn't come as a surprise if he decided to, to stay in Germany. And I think that, I kind of felt that like maybe what Beale was, was alluding to today um, in his press conference. Staying with the press conference, you said yourself, um, Barisic is definitely out. Uh, he suggested that Arfield and Kent are probably going to be out as well. Um, uh, in the press conference, he said both of them have, have been getting treatment this week. So, I, I, I don't think going to come as a big surprise if, if the two of them don't play. Um, Jack's obviously out out along with the, all the other long-term injuries. So there's going to be changes in the team, enforced changes in the team on Sunday. Do you see any real surprises coming, Craig? Um, who do you think is going to
1: step into the, these these spaces or would or you think it will just be the usual suspects? I think in the... Obviously, keep them in the press conference. I think there might be a chance of Robbie McCrory starting tomorrow, um, which I suppose kind of would be a surprise because he's not played well for, for two years since the Alex Shirt game. Um, or actually, no, it was the Celtic game. That was his last game because the Alex Shirt was the, was the Thursday. Um, yeah. Two clean sheets. It's not a bad record for the Rangers goalkeeper, 100% clean sheet ratio. Um, but I would say maybe that would be be the big one. Haji maybe could be in line for a start. I know he he was speaking earlier today be good to see Haji. I think for me, I think these five games will will be a good chance for him to maybe build up some momentum and fitness. I think, you know, with these five games, I know people are, are always going to say, well, use it to play the young guys or use it to play, you know, the fringe players, blah, blah, blah. I do get that. But for me, you still don't learn anything new about them. And I know we don't learn anything new about the players that have been there for years either. But I don't think that playing guys that are fringe players in, you know, games that don't mean anything you're going to learn a lot about them as well i think Ahmad Diallo is probably the, the case in point if you look at him he done it quite well with ibrox towards the end of the season when there was no pressure on him um you know and that's all fine and good but you need to do it when when things matter unfortunately for him and his time at rangers he didn't do that um so i think that's a good example and even you know yeah he's gonna have had a cracking season oh he has, Obvious, I has championship. he has, um, he, has a, he has a cracking player um, you know would it have been better for us to get him in an 18 month loan I don't know I just think that obviously the type of the reason why we signed him was effectively to try and I don't want to use the words replace Hadji because I know they're different players as such but Hadji no, Hadji was but, well have somebody of that style yeah, I, I, I I, he agree. was because Hadji was someone that you know that mostly played sort of on the right forward position, and obviously Jarlow's a, a right winger. And he's he's went on to have a cracking season. Sunderland he is a great player, but there was obviously a question marks over whether he could he could do it at Rangers when when the sort of chips are down. I just yeah, it's very, at Rangers. You have to win every win I, every week, and it's Sunderland. I
0: mean, I think realistically Sunderland into that season, you know, looking to 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 consolidate, mm-hmm. uh, maybe push for the playoffs, and 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 I think that's a very different type of pressure. Um, Yelma's to start tomorrow, you think then instead of Barisic, you're a straight swap there? Aye hundred
1: percent. Um I think he, he Matondo, so Matondo's on the team. Um I don't see why he's not. Come I, mean, on if Ken, if I mean if Kent's not um I can't see Sakala starting after his sort of last two performances. Um so I think you know, if Kent's out as well, there's probably a, a position for Matondo on the left. He's looked he's looked okay, but again, it's one of those ones where can he keep missing chances? <laughs> you know, I mean the one against Sicala Aberdeen a couple of weeks most... ago. Oh I know. Is it, is it must be the most frustrating player in the world to coach? Because and you know, it kinda of reminds me that Sicala. and actually we made the point earlier about Tillman and you know, the fact that we've no get players for him to give the ball to and stuff like that. Sakala should be that player and he nearly was a couple of weeks ago at Aberdeen. It's just a shame that for most of the time he can't finish his dinner. <laughs> um, but well, this is it. yeah. I will I'll I, I love Sikhallen but you know, I still think he's got a part to play as a squad player because he does provide you something, something yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he does provide you something What about
0: Matondo? Do you think Matondo's going to get a, a run in the team?
1: Or do you think um, I think I can't really see him being here next. I just don't think that Bill fancies him. I know he's kind of brought him on the last, the last few weeks, but, you know, the fact that he wasn't playing the first sort of three months where, you know, we were needing to win week in, week out. I think sorta of tells you something. Um I think maybe we're we're going to be putting Matondo on the team to to put him in the short window to try and get him out. Um what, one thing that's actually really dis actually discouraged me the last sort of few days and um I can't remember who it was that sent it into the Jails Net chat, but you know we're basically saying <clears> oh <throat> geez that Michael Beale has kind of been shocked at the amount of rebuild that's actually required at Rangers. Now again, we don't know if that's true or not. It could be somebody's granny's goldfish sent in that. But um it is an interesting point. I, I, I posed the question when Michael Beale came in as a manager. Is he someone that's been brought in with a view to, you know, give him the resources for a full rebuild or is he there to try and get a tune out of underperforming players like Kent Morelos, Barisic? with a view to them, maybe even signing new contracts, because from a financial point of view, we'll use Kent and Morelos, because I know we spoke to about, him, about him earlier, we can all say on paper, as Rangers fans, like their time's up, oh, well, we don't want to be here, but at the end of the day, it's going to cost money to replace him, whether we like it or not, I think in terms of quality, you're probably looking at, five million quid each, I think minimum, to, to try and replace those two, now I know the whole, uh, spending money doesn't equate to success, which is true, but I think a five million pound quality player. So if you can get a guy for free, but he's really worth five million quid, but you've got him in a free because of his situation, that—that's kind of what I mean. So it's going to cost money to replace these players, and I think obviously the Rangers board—they would want them to stay on because you know the their assets, if they've if they've got if they've got long term deals, they are still at a good age where we can where we can fetch some money for them, and that would obviously mean we don't need to go and spend big money to replace them, but. That that's going to be something that's very interesting come the summer. Um, I, I've said my piece Kent on I, has I Kent's
0: form and not just this season now, you have to go back more than that. You know, Kent's form as, as an attacking player
1: mm-hmm.
0: hasn't been good enough. You couldn't say, based on his performances over the last 18 months, that he is worth a contract that would make him one of the highest paid players at the club. Mm-hmm. I don't think you know. I, I, I There was a spell in, well, in Kent's time at Rangers when he was arguably the most important player at the club in an attacking sense. You know, he, he caused um, so much trouble for defenses. He he was he was dynamic. He was fast. He was switching wings. Um, he could cut inside. He could cut outside. He hasn't done that. He's barely done it at all this season. He hasn't done it consistently. I, I don't feel he's done it consistently for eighteen months. Mm-hmm. His his decision making has has got poor, um, and I think you'd have to say the same about Morelos, who is just a shadow of the player he was. Um, I was so angry with both of them on Sunday. Now you have to be careful after a rain or during a rain. Your Celtic game, and then again after it, you're, you're perhaps not at your most rational. But even with you know nearly a week's grace, uh, I still feel that both of them, you know, they just. They were, for me, the difference between the two sides was the forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, Celtic's forwards, when they get a chance, score a goal. Rangers' forwards need 10 chances. you know, And, 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 and that is simply not going to win you anything, um, far as a league. Um, so it's interesting what you're saying there, and I think a lot of people would agree with you. But I think a lot of people would disagree with you as well. I think there's a real split in the support here um, over those two because I think ultimately this season they have failed to deliver and, and re-signing both of them, I'm not sure how well that would go down. Mm-hmm. With the, and I don't know, personally speaking, I don't think it's the right thing to do. It. Personally speaking, I think we need to we need to make changes at, at, the, at the sharp end of the pitch. We're not good enough there. Um who you replace them with is a big question and, and can we afford to replace them? Big, big question. It's a good question um But but listening to Bill this morning, well, well, this afternoon, it felt to me like he was saying they're both away this summer, uh, that 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 both are leaving. Yeah. He was pointed in saying the club have not offered them contracts. um, um You know, you have to he- think they would have at this point. Mm-hmm.
1: If they wanted to stay,
0: they would have offered the contract. They've had a conversation with them.
1: Yeah, I think. Um- I I can't see it happening to be honest, um, and I, yeah. I agree with you, I don't I don't want him to be here next season either. But one thing that yeah. that I will say though is that you know we should not be afraid of change at Rangers. it is a time of change right now, but we need to change because yeah, how bad things to. have been. I mean, case in point across the city, you know, keep mentioning, them, but that's what you've got. That's what you're doing, in the city. you know what I mean? That that is the only the only sort of comparable thing that you can look at. Um, if Celtic can if Celtic can wrap up a squad that won them eight in what three quarters of, of the leagues in a row and won you know, domestically anyway, the most successful domestic Celtic team ever in terms of trophies won. If they can do that and they can make that change, then we can do it with a lack of trophies that we've won uh in the last I actually I, 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 I mean I don't think we're that far away. I really don't. But we are, you know, there is a there is there is a gulf that has it's, to be... yeah. For me, you you oh, actually made a... the the perfect phrase earlier, John. Decision making for me that is where where these games are won and lost. And I said earlier, if you look at individual players, you know, in the best form without injuries, the squads are you know pretty much identical. Um, the problem is for Rangers it's up here, and also the game of football isn't played in paper, unfortunately. Um, but. You know, that, that, that's the way that things are. Celtic have proven the last sort of year or so that they've got that ruthlessness that, that we really, really need to have, that we did have a couple of yeah. years ago. And I just think for a yeah. lot of players, they've just lost their hunger. I, I never want to accuse professional players of, you know, down in tools or this, that, and the next thing, but mentally it can be, you know, affecting. And we've all done it. We've all been in jobs and stuff like that in the past where, you know, they've maybe been promised something you know you've maybe been promised a promotion or maybe a wage rise or whatever and it's not happened so you kind of just go well what's the point do you know what I mean it's like I will come in every day in my 95 I will do my job but you're not getting any more than that do you know what I mean and I think maybe yep. we, a yep. lot of these players act. That, that's just what's happened unfortunately
0: players are, players are human um, Bill said a, an interesting thing in the, his conference this morning um, when he was being asked about the players who are out of contract um and he said, and I think I'm quoting him here, a couple of those have been offered contracts. Now those that are contracted Alan McGregor, Kieran Wright, young goalkeeper, um, Philip Hollander, Ryan Jack, Scott Arfield, Steve Davis, Malik Tillman, Ryan Kent and Morelos who we've spoken about. So which which of those nine do you think have been offered new contracts? Um, who is it you think we've we've offered them to? Because he wasn't telling. He didn't give it away who it was as far as I heard. Um, so who is it you think we have offered new contracts to out of those now?
1: Hopefully it's Alan McGregor. No, I'm kidding on to the viewers at home. Please don't um, start to accuse me of all sorts. No, I don't think he'll be here next season. Personally, I think Ryan Jack and Kieran Wright I think that's who he's offered contracts to. Um, I think Kieran Wright might be here next season as like the third choice. I've sort of heard whispers that you know, that Bill is a fan of him and he has mentioned him a couple of times. Again, no, that could be the granny's goldfish talking. Um don't don't take me at face value for that. It's just an opinion that I've got. It doesn't mean that it's fact. Rang Jack, I think, is a guy that, that Michael Bill likes. I know he's had his injury issues. But again, even if Rang Jack can come in and play 30 games a season, if you know what you're going to get out of Rang Jack and you accept the fact that he's going to be injured for like half the season it's fine giving him a new contract but we do need to caveat that by having another player like him being brought in as well to play play the majority of games um, yep. Scott Arfield as well Steve, D- uh,
0: Steve Davis is unlikely to be getting offered a contract because it, it does feel like that injury has it's well, going to see, be very on, difficult for someone I, at his age to come back from, so I can't imagine fine. he's being offered a new contract, I, on, I can't imagine Halander is being offered a new I, contract no chance No chance. Yeah, no, which no kind of only leaves McGregor Key and Wright, Jack, and Arfield. If we assume that Tillman, that's a different conversation that's been going yeah. on, and that Morellus and Kent, he said, haven't been offered a contract, it is down yeah. to them. Uh, it's not outwith the realms of possibility that they've offered McGregor a contract as, you know, a number two. Um, you know, that is not outwith the realms of possibility. You surely can't imagine they're offering him a contract to stay as number one. Cairn Wright maybe has been offered a contract because he's a home coached player. If we don't offer him a contract, I think he can leave without a development fee being paid. Mm -hmm. Um, So it may be that they've offered him a contract simply so if he does leave, we get something. We get 50 grand or or we get something. Um, And then it's really down to Jack and Arfield. Um, And there's an argument to offer both of them a short-term contract. Um, Arfield still looks like he can do a job when he comes on, but he isn't going to play every game. Um, Jack arguably is our best midfielder when he's fit, but he's not fit all the time. Um, is he fit enough? I suppose that would depend on on the level of contract he got. Um, if you had to, if you were a betting man, Craig, who would you put your money on?
1: I think I think Jack and Wright is the ones that he's offered them to. But you know what, Scotty Arfield I think we, I really think we should be offering him a new deal. I think it would be be crazy not to do that to be honest I mean I I love Scott Arfield Um, I think he's cracking and I know a lot of people will will say the whole well we've not been successful the last few years and stuff like that we can't keep rewarding failure but I mean when you look at it when has Scott Arfield actually failed for Rangers in in an individual sense I mean you can count on one hand the amount of bad games that he's had for Rangers and even then he's given it his all every single game it's maybe ironic that we're talking about it now because he's given the fact that he's You know, probably injured tomorrow but he's never seemed to be injured he's always fit he's a great professional he's a model professional and he loves Rangers he knows what it's about Um, he's been here for for success and failures which arguably is is maybe a wee bit better than someone that's just been here through success or just through failure because you've got that balance you know what it's like to be second but you also know what it's like to be first um, and I think having someone like him at the club would, would be great I think he's had a bigger role this season than what we thought he would I think if you look at maybe the the, the sort of September, October time he was actually one of our main players because of the amount of injuries that we had um, he starts and scores against Liverpool in the Champions League thought he was he was pretty good that game just a shame that the defence weren't he um, but I think he's a cracking player and you know, I, I think we should be offering a new contract. You hear the stuff about, you know, maybe it would hamper the likes of Alec Lowry's development. I don't really subscribe to that because firstly, they're different players. Secondly, as well, if you're a young player and Michael Beal spoke about it earlier, you need to have the hunger, the attitude to say, I'm going to take that jersey off you. So if you've got someone like Scott Arfield there, that should only encourage Alex Lowry to go and say, I'm taking that jersey off you and... You know you can retire next year steve davis i know you touched on him but an interesting point about him he's never really been injured when you think about it this is his first big injury um and he yeah. did an interview a few months ago saying that he hopes that he's not finished so whether that's with us or not i don't know but
0: craig i hope i'm not finished but the simple <laughs> truth is i am
1: listen um, see with steve and- davis but you never know that guy you look at the website and stuff like that. We've all put our favourite current players. He's he's mine. He's he's a Rangers legend. He's yeah, yeah. he is yeah, he's, like he's, well. he's a most model professional. I think like you you will, you will ever meet. Um, uh, it would be a real shame retaining him in, in a way, coaching role something like that. But that would just, be great I'm as well. Like, I hopefully, who knows? hopefully stays in capacity. See it. But yeah, I'd, I I'd give him I'd give him a lifetime contract anyway, just because I love him that much. But. Um, hopefully, you know what. You hopefully I fear you something. may have
0: failed your your um, interview for our new director of football. Um, there, I well, the promised them well, a
1: I, lifetime contract. <laughs> listen, I probably listen, I probably passed it because the guy is injured and stuff like that, and I'm offering him new contracts. That's, 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 <laughs> the, that's <laughs> wanted, so I think I passed it.
0: <laughs> listen, very quickly, uh, time is running out. Um, tomorrow's no, not tomorrow's match. Sunday's match. Um, Aberdeen are in, are in great form having had a having had probably the worst result in their history earlier this year um they they've obviously made a managerial change um uh, they've not lost a game since um ex, ex rangers youth player Barry Robson took uh, took charge there um they obviously beat us at Potoria a couple of weeks ago Robson was made full t- uh, he was given the job on a permanent basis earlier this week, um, surely that means that uh, we're going to gob them on Sunday now. Um, the Aberdeen players who were clearly trying their heart out for him, so he got the job. Now he's got the job. They're going to sit back and rest. This we're going to take four or five off them on Sunday. Surely that's how this is going to go. Uh, what can kind I of match are you expecting? Uh, what should we What should we expect from this Aberdeen? What I think it was the worst Aberdeen performance I've ever seen. Uh, against Rangers earlier this season from them. Uh, I could not believe how poor they were. It's the same players that were there at the start of the season that were absolutely garbage that are now unbeaten. So it shows you it underlines that point you made about how much of this is mental how much of this is in the head and I a perfect example of that what kind of game should we expect on Sunday
1: um, anything we should be looking out for as we before we wrap it up mate um, like Aberdeen Barry Robson um, it's going to be the usual for them isn't it it's the biggest match of our season um, trying to force a, a rivalry on us Rangers fans and look there is a rivalry there we we get it you know both clubs don't like each other but the simple fact is that we are their mm-hmm. biggest rivals but they're our second or third biggest rivals maybe depending on how you view Hibs um, as well so Look, I try not to view Hibs any time I get the chance. I know, I just I just don't like them, but so <laughs> um like will it might be a tough game? I don't know, maybe I think what could maybe not work in our favour is the amount of changes and stuff like that that's gonna that's gonna happen. Put it to put it bluntly, I really don't want to see Aberdeen finish third and get guaranteed um, European football. Um, now the caveat to that is though, if Aberdeen do finish third and Inverness somehow managed to win the Scottish Cup they wouldn't they get European group stage football and they would have to go through the qualifiers and we have our Dean's recent history in European qualifiers we know how that's probably going to end in, in the summer but you know yeah. I, I I just hope we can beat them You know, we need to, we need to face facts It on Sunday the league's probably going to be going to be secured um, with them on the other side of the city Castle. And-
0: oh, I've got faith in Stephen A. Smith. I think he's 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 winding his host hearts players up all
1: this week. He doesn't want Celtic to win the league when he's there. Uh, but then again, do you want do you want Celtic to go and win the league at Because we 'Cause we're gonna need to go and beat them next week if, if that does happen. But you know, but maybe... there's all the incentive we need. Well, that's a good point actually. Um but in fairness I've already went through one one season where Celtic could have won the league at Ibrox in twenty twelve and won three two. And as much as that was a that's great a... day supporting the club, I don't think um mentally i could take that again um because that that would kind of be let's be on let's be let's be honest here and i I said this last night i mean these celtic fans are winding us up probably more than what they did 10 years ago um so and and to be fair to them i I would call this season obviously if they went to go and win a scottish cup a proper treble because you know they've obviously beaten us in the league and they've beaten us in both cups as well so if they do go and win it you, you can't take that away from them. Um, there's not the usual, oh, well, you couldn't beat Rangers to win any of the Cups because they've, they've done it in every competition. Um, but there is one game left. Anyway, so enough know. talking yeah. about Celtic, Craig. I know, yeah, I know. You're not it's Friday. We've got a coronation yeah, tomorrow. About. Let's be positive.
0: <laughs> um, Aberdeen, uh, I, I, I'm, I can't see them playing anything but on the break. I can't yeah. see them anything doing anything but trying to sit and frustrate us. Um, you know, play deep, uh, low blocks and, and all that kind of stuff and um, try and hit us in the break, use set pieces. Um, every game we have played um, in the last few months, we've given the opposition a chance. Um, we did it against them at Patodre, and they took them. As long as we don't do it, you know, the, the Aberdeen shouldn't score against us. I don't know, be interesting to see how we react to the 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 last the last two games which have obviously been setbacks particularly Sunday Sunday's was a signal I did feel actually a lot most of the team gave everything just they just came up short I don't think it was a lack of application there was just a lack of ability yeah in certain areas of the park uh, rather than that, and I think the, I think that the effort was there, and I, I just wonder what that might take out of us. But we'll see. Aberdeen, uh, uh, I think once the crowd get going, once the Aberdeen fans start annoying us and singing their horrible songs, I suspect that there may be a reaction from the the, the, the players, and actually it might end up being okay. Right, we've kept Frankie back. We've been on nearly an hour. Um, so I'm going to wrap it up, uh, if, if that's okay with you, Craig. Um, so I just want to remind everybody that uh, the podcast is also, whenever you're watching it just now, it is also available on a variety of platforms, Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, and Spotify. Um, we have, in fact, yep, Colin Armstrong, David Fraser, and Chris Jack will be on the pod on Sunday night to dissect the Aberdeen match. Um, talk about any other directors who might have left the club between now and then and probably have a good old moan about my Jairs. And knowing them, they'll probably have 10 minutes talking about juniors football as well at some point. So you've got Monday off. So please join them, um, and uh, see that. Um, lastly, as I said earlier, uh, if you get the chance, and um, please go on to Jairs Net. Uh, Frankie's been busy there. The guys have put in a lot, of, a lot of effort behind the scenes. Um, to get the, the history archive back on there uh, and a few other things and it's uh, it's as I said it's worth 15 minutes of your time. Thanks so much for listening uh, Craig, thanks for coming along I uh, hope you have a, a pleasant weekend. Are you off on Monday? Are you getting a long weekend?
1: Yes I am, so uh, I'm very much looking forward to tomorrow which will absolutely be the highlight of the weekend because nothing else is happening um, over the weekend apart from um, tomorrow, so I'll be going to the farmers' market in Partick to to celebrate with uh, with everyone uh, in the coronation of our, our new monarch. So, yes, hope everyone enjoys tomorrow and the long weekend. Okay, right. Well, on that
0: note, uh, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, please tune in again on Sunday. Good night.